I, uh, I'm just impressed with, with the worship this morning and, and what it's moved me to. And, you know, there's something about being back in this building with, with you people that's extremely exciting for me. Um, one of the things I want to say to you as a congregation, and you know what, my emotions are really raw today. So if I get through this without crying, you're going to have a good day. But I just want to say thank you, church, for trusting us, for giving. Um, you sent us over there with about $13,000, and we've spent about half of that. And, you know, we've got enough money to go back and continue building. But we also have a lot more things to do there that's going to need a lot more money um, over time. And, and dealing with Muslim people is a different thing than we've ever dealt with before. And so we have a lot of time to talk about that. But I just really want to plant that seed up front is that this stuff takes a lot. You know, we're going to have to get a well on this place. We're going to have to do some things like that as well. But thank you, church, for trusting us. Thank you for sending us. Thank you for praying for us. And thank you for just being those people that aren't afraid to reach outside of your comfort zone. So I just want to appreciate it. Give yourselves a hand for that. Thank you, guys. <clears throat> I introduced, uh, do I have another set of slides? I introduced Aruba to you earlier. I want to spend some time just talking about him. And they've only given me 15 or 20 minutes, so if you see one of those guys stand up and push me off, my time's done. So if somebody wants to track me on time and yell when I'm over. But anyway, Aruba, I, we've known this man for two or three years. We've worked with him. He's interpreted for us. Just an incredible individual. He's, uh, he's married. When you see pictures of him, you won't guess it. The first time I met him, I thought he was about 17, but he's about 40 years old. He's got a wife. He's got seven kids. Um, he has a farm. Um, he just, he's an incredible individual that really works hard at everything that he does, um, and, and he's not afraid to step out on faith. That's one of the things we learned from him this, this time. I've been talking to Daniel through Kofi. By the way, Kofi's here if everybody hasn't seen him yet. But I've been talking to Daniel through Kofi about, you know, the man that we would put up there. Hopefully he will come out of the school that, that we had for several years, and, and we're starting another round of that. Um, and, and Daniel said, well, I'm praying about it. I've got somebody in mind, but I'm praying about it. I'm praying about it. I'm praying about it. Well, we showed up a couple of weeks ago, and I was talking to, to Daniel, and he, and he said, uh, do you have a pastor? And he said, no, I don't, but I have somebody that's going with us that I'm praying about. And the story, once we got into the trip, God had been talking to Aruba for about two months, and God had told him that he was going to relocate him into a new place where he's going to be able to preach and teach and, and be a pastor, but he had no idea what it was going to be. Well, his wife told him, hey, you need to go talk to the pastor about this. This is kind of a big deal. You need to work through this and get details and, and begin praying about it with him. And so he tells his wife, okay, I will. And then every night she would say, did you talk to the pastor yet? And he'd say, no, I haven't. And then, you know, a week goes by, have you talked to the pastor yet? No, I haven't. And then finally, she said, did you talk to the pastor yet? And he said, yeah, I did. But he didn't go talk to his pastor. He went and found another pastor to visit with. And, but all along, God's dealing with him and working with him. And he's processing this on his own, how God would, would relate to him and, and teach him and use him. Then ultimately, Daniel tracked him down on the road and said, hey, we're going to Sokade and Chamba Tuesday 
and I need you to go, and this was Saturday. Well, Tuesday morning, he was in place to go, and he goes with us, and as far as he knows, he's going up to, to help with the work, uh, interpret. The man knows 17 languages, so he's, he's pretty amazing. Um, that he's going to work with us and, and just do whatever we need to happen. And uh, on, him and Daniel shared a room, and the process of sharing this room, they began to talk about what was going on in Aruba's life. And Aruba told him, I was afraid to talk to you because I didn't know what would happen next. And, you know, he was dealing with all those fears and emotions that, that it would take to, to transplant and be in a different location. But he said, I really feel like this is where God's calling me to be. And, of course, Daniel showed up to breakfast that, that morning incredibly um, excited. Well, we got out to the, out to the location where we, we seen the property. And it's really interesting because his home language of his home village is Cabier. And he is banned from going back to his home village because he was a Muslim that became a Christian. And the process of doing that, they told him, you can't come back. If you come back, your life will be in danger. And, and we can just do all the imaginations with that, but it's all true. And when he got there, he heard his home language being spoken. And that was God's really super confirmation for him that I'm in the right spot. It's people that, that I'm going to be able to identify with. I'm going to be able to speak to them in their home language. They're going to be able to understand. I'm going to be able to understand them and, and vice versa. So it was really a, a, a great time together for them that he was, God was put him in the right spot, and he was there, and he was all in. And I want you to understand at this point, he had no money, he had no house, he had no church, he had no vehicle. Um, all he had was he was willing to go and he was trusting that God would provide the rest. Because he told us, I'll walk there if I have to and I'll do what I have to do. And that just really broke our heart just that his commitment was so great for a, a, a people that, that he cared greatly for. And this uh, slide shows us at the very first service, at the close of the service, we called him up front, and we, we did an ins installation of a pastor praying over him, and, and we all had positive things to say about him in front of him to, to the people that they could trust him and those things. But, uh, but that was a very unique time for me. Um, we had the first service, and we were able to see a pastor in place and a man that is hungry to, to win souls. And his first service, he preached salvation. And he preached Jesus, and he preached how that, that the sins can be forgiven and that you can move on in your life in a, in a new creation. And I'm just really proud of who he became. Let's go to the next slide. And this is some of the men that were in the first service. Uh, some of the ladies put together the Heart of Life shirts for us to give away, so we wanted to make sure and send a photo back with those. But, but that photo there is actually, if you look behind them, that's the, the property where the church is going to be. And if you look to the left, it's somewhat uh, where the building will be, not just the, just the corner of it. Let's go to the next. Again, this is the well. When we very first were heading up there, Daniel was, tel was telling us that when we work with the Anai the people that are mainly Muslim, that we have to have some kind of a project. We have to have a, f a focus for them that, that we're supplying a need. And, and the main goal is for us to... to build relationship with them over time. And it, it's a huge project to be able to just win them over. And it, it's a time-consuming project because 
to build relationship, you have to sit down and you have to look at each other and you have to talk and you have to, to trust. And f- for us as Americans, that's not always simple to do. The Africans really have the market on this, building relationships and taking time to get to know each other. Um, but one of the things in the process of talking and being there together, this was at the local school. Um, and at the local school, this well had not worked for five years. And they were carting water in from, you know, a long distance. And they were, the women were carrying it in. And then without the, the well, there wasn't a common place for them to come to, to be together and, and spend time together. So we found out about the well, and Daniel was really encouraged that we wanted to do something with it. Um, a well in that area cost about $6,500. Well, we were able to fix this well for about 400 So we got the benefit of providing water for them for $400, which was kind of a real blessing for us because we didn't have enough money to dig a well. So for us to be able to get that working, and you see water coming out of uh, at Honestly, that was some of the first water that would float out of that well for, for five years. And it was such a celebration for us to see that accomplished, but also for the people. They, it was a need that was met for them, saved them steps, saved them time, saved them energy. But it also told them that we care about them, that their needs are important to us. And what takes place with them is, is valuable to us. And... Uh, so the, the chief was very, very encouraged that we took that project on, that we made that work. And at one time, quite, I'm going to be really honest with you, I thought we'd spend about 20 or 30 bucks. I was sure it was just a clip that was broken inside of there that, that disconnected the, the pump handle from the rod that went down inside of it. We took it apart, and there was like 16 holes in the, in the pipe coming up, so we had to replace all of that. And uh, I was expecting at that point, well, maybe, maybe $100 or something like that. And then they called us back and said, now you need all new line. It's going to cost $400, which is, you know, about, I can't even do the trans, translation in my head for uh, the CIFA, but it was a lot of money that we hadn't planned on. And we, the three of us talked, and it was like, you know, we've gotten to this point. We can't turn back. Because if we fail at this, then it, it's going to be, it's going to set us back. So we, we decided that this project was important and valuable for us to continue and finish and and make sure that water was coming out of that well before we left. So we did. We went ahead and and bought the the products and we got them in the well. We got it working and and there was quite the celebration for it. But um, that was one of those things that that God placed there in front of us that we knew we needed a project and we wanted something that would benefit everybody and we get there and there's a broken well that everything's there except for for the broken pipe and we were able to reassemble it and it worked. Let's look at the next one. This is the chief and I just want to talk a little bit about him and who he is and the value that he is. Um, We had a little incident where the property that was that we had gotten originally got sold and the chief was just humiliated that he had to call us back and say, the property I gave you is not available anymore and that we're going to have to take it back because it wasn't mine to give. And, of course, you know, we've been talking about property for two years. I'm thinking sometime in two years that should have came up. But, but anyway, we got down to the wire. We actually had the property. We actually cleared it off. We had two loads of sand delivered to start making blocks. And then it was like it's not ours anymore. And the chief was just very much humiliated. One of the statements that he said to us was, I remember back when the chief had the power that 
if I get property away, it's given away. But he said, now they just take me to court and get it back, you know. So, you know, he, he had lost some of his ability to, to, to control people. But at the same time, he was humiliated that what he said he could do, he couldn't do. But he provided something that was better for us. He gave us a property. And I showed you slides of that earlier when I was talking to the kids, is that the location of, of that property is elevated better. We're not going to have water issues. It's flat. We have a lot of um, opportunity for some real growth there. But the chief being Muslim, and you know, there's a, we, we hear all kinds of things about these, these people, but what we found was they're very, very sincere people. They really care for one another. They really cared for us. They, they enjoyed to talk to us, and, and you know, we, we could talk about spiritual things on some level. We'd get to a certain point, and of course, we would divide on our opinions, but they had a really unique desire to, to know us and have us there and be part of them. Um, and for us to be able to meet him and to get to this point with him, it, it just God really worked some really cool stuff out for us. Um, as you know, we were invited about four years ago to begin the process of reaching this unreached people group. And the first thing that we did was a vision trip that uh, encountered meeting him and it's taken quite a bit of time for him to begin to, to recognize us and trust us and, and believe us and give us the opportunity to, to do more with him. But um, the, the concept of, of witnessing to a Muslim people is different than anything I've ever done before. You know, in the past, we've always dealt with the voodoo people and the witch doctors and that kind of stuff in the South. And quite honestly, they were easier to talk to about Christ and convert to Christianity than the Muslim people because they are very tight-knit, close people, and they're, they're content to stay there as well. So that's something that we really want to pray about is how that we continue to engage these people. We don't want to just keep giving them things to make them think that, that we're great people. We really want them to understand the relationship with Christ. We really want them to understand that they have a need for a Savior and it's, it's not what we can bring to the table, but it's what Christ brings. Um, but at the same time, we, we still need to bring things to do for them and, and to be with them and, and help them in, the, in their area as well. Um, let's look at the next one. That's, this is another one of the, of the chief. I, the reason I put that in is I wanted you to see the posture of the man that's talking to him. And there's a generation of people, and, and, and a lot of them that are around him a lot, you know, he stooped before him, and, and he's shown that he has quite a bit of uh, respect to, to the chief. And that was just really interesting for me to see because I don't know of anybody that shows respect quite like that, you know, consistently. And everybody, even the people that were in our group, they, they would do the same thing when they would meet him and greet him, and they would show this incredible respect that was uh, very honoring to him. And he humbly would take it, but it, it wasn't something that he expected either. It was just part of his position. What's next? Again, we want to talk to you about Aruba. And I told you earlier that, that Aruba was prepared to go on the mission field with no vehicle, no house, no nothing. Um, and Roger and Troy and I talked about this for quite a while. And you can buy a motorcycle just like this and brand new for just under $1,000. Well, you know what? We did. We, uh, 
just the location that he has to serve is, you know, it covers 30, 40 miles, and he was prepared to walk that. But what we did is, is we decided that amongst us, and we put together the money, and we were able to come up between the three of us, a, a good portion of it, and then we had quite a bit of budgeted money that we were able to take from the church as well. So as a church, the three of us and, and the church, we all have a piece in this motorcycle that's going to help to evangelize the people of, of this uh, Kalumi village and, and the Anai people. And just the experience that we had with him, this man is always smiling, he's always talking, he's always got this huge charisma that draws people to you. But if you look at him right here, this is the first time he's touched this thing and he's speechless, he can't talk, and he's crying, and he's just overwhelmed with what God, you know, he committed himself to do this with nothing in mind for what he would get out of it, and you know, before he even heads to the mission field, he's got a brand new motorcycle with zero miles that he's dedicated to serving God with. So it's, it's just a, a cool opportunity for us, and you know, I really can't even communicate the emotions that he was feeling and just the, the way that he was talking about how he was going to use this and how that God was going to be a blessing to these people. Can you roll that? This is him about uh, two days later. This is in front of the hotel that I was staying in the last few days. While these guys were on vacation in, in uh, Ivory Coast, just taking it easy, I was staying in this hotel still doing conferences. But uh, I seen him about two days later, and I went out and I looked at the odometer on the motorcycle. It had 250 miles on it. He, he had showed everybody in Togo his new motorcycle. He was really excited. So that's, that was really neat for me that, you know, he was excited about this, and, and it was just one more thing that just stimulated him that God's going to take care of him. God's going to bless him. God's got things in mind for him. Um, he called this morning, or he didn't call, he, he messaged Kofi. And like I said earlier, we've already um, extended our, our ability to seat people past the chairs that we purchased. And so that's a very positive thing. But also, uh, we got the photos that the concrete had been delivered. He'd had a few more loads of sand delivered. And they're going to start making the blocks either this afternoon or tomorrow morning. And I don't know if you've ever seen the way that they make blocks, but it's one at a time. And it takes two or three minutes per block. And they need about 1,500. So it's going to be quite the the process just to just to get the blocks built and uh, get those done but that's already started and that's exciting for us because you know this this thing is still in motion there's still a a, a, a lot of uh, momentum to it and we just want to see this continue to go and part of it is is his drive and his determination as well he's he's got this momentum and he's keeping it going and you know he's got plans beyond what we've even talked about that he can do in this area what do we have next? This is the first service, the first morning, and uh, we had to we had to take several different shots because we had people that continued to come through. Some of them left. Believe it or not, we had a mom drop her kids off to Sunday school and leave. <laughs> that ever happened here? No. <laughs> but I just I had the biggest laugh out of that because you know that just she brought well all those kids on that front row. About half of them were hers, and, <laughs> and she brought them in, dropped them off, and then she went back home. And I, I kind of figured maybe they're just going to go grocery shopping. I don't know, but it was kind of fun. 
But uh, that was our, our first service. The man standing up, he is the prince. He's the prince, son of the chief. He's 22 years old. He's in, he's in school in Chamba. Um, he has real plans for his life. He's the youngest, so he has no right to be chief at any time in his life. But he's very unique in, in getting to talk to him. He, he understands his religion. He understands a, a lot of things. But he's also at that point in his life where um, he knows a lot of facts, but he's not committed in, in necessarily, in my opinion, of that religion. And he came to our first service. And this is what's really cool to me. As Aruba's preaching a salvation message that, that was very boldly and bluntly speaking about Jesus, he interpreted it. And we had a Muslim young man preaching Jesus to his people in their language, and he's a man of authority that's saying this. So that was really a big moment for me when we see that, um, what he was able to do and what he's able to be done. Let's jump through these next ones real quick. That's just the last photo, and I'm running out of time. These guys are starting to push me off here. Go ahead and go to the next and Jesus said to go to him and, and preach the gospel. And, and that's what our desire is, is, is to go and preach. But you know what? And I've said this to some of you before, you've heard this, but in my life, I never had a desire to go to Africa and do anything. In fact, when I was a child, I would think, okay, I really want to be a good Christian, but I don't want to be so good I get sent to Africa. So I'm going to hold back here a little bit, you know, and, and, I mean, up until I was in my 30s, you know, it was like, I don't want to go there. That's not where I'm called. But I have this huge passion now for Africa. And God has really worked in my heart that I have a desire to be there and be with those people and see the change and what they do and, and what takes place with them. One of the verses that God used to speak to me in my heart is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And this is where it probably gets emotional. Somebody made these letters really small this week. It says, What God was reconciling the world to himself, Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he committed to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God, making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The concept of that is that ministry of reconciliation, that ministry of, of God is paying the price so that each one of us can have that relationship with him, that each one of us can be who he's called us to be, that each one of us can go where he's called us to go. And when we begin to think about that Jesus sent his son, excuse me, God sent his son Jesus so that, that we can have this ability to overcome um, our, our past and we can be new. This is one of the things we deal with the Muslims is that in this life they don't ever know that, that they have done enough good to be able to go to heaven and that's, and, and that's what drives them. But we have the message that we can say to them, we know you can be forgiven and you can be forgiven on this planet and you can be with Jesus forever. But God has given us this ability to, and not us, but all of us, that we can go and we can share Christ with whoever we need to. And he's given us the ministry of, of sharing that with him. But this is what always gets me. 
is that he's called us to be a royal ambassador for himself. And when I think about that, when I'm taking a message that has come from God, what would I be willing to do to deliver that? Where would I be willing to go to deliver that message? Who would I be willing to talk to to deliver that? Because I am a royal ambassador. I am set apart by God to go into the mission field and do what he's called me to do. And that's no different than each one of us. Each one of us are ambassadors for Christ to do what he's called us to do. And I'm going to stop with that. We've got some more interesting stuff that I really want to hear as well. But I want you to think about that. And I want to think about where your part is in this. And believe me, if you can never go there, but you can participate in giving, that's just such a blessing. And thank you for trusting us. And thank you for loving us. And, and I love you guys. Thank you. Um, my name is Roger Cohen. Um, and at times, I've been a man of little faith. Ouch. Um, yeah, we've only got a few minutes here, and I'm going to try to make, make the most of it, uh, not holding punches. Uh, there was two 20-minute speaking spots and a 10-minute. <clears throat> so we did what was obvious. We arm wrestled um, for two older guys. They're pretty, I mean, very wise guys. They're very strong. But uh, um, I'll just kind of jump right in this. Um, um, missions has never really been anything that I had spent a lot of time about uh, considering um, five months ago I last heard Kevin give a presentation and uh, I, was, I thought it was fine I thought it was great um, I was really uh, interested to hear the, what was going on there what needed to be done and uh, went home <clears throat> some weeks went by um, just uh, just normal stuff. And one day I was taking the trash out at work towards the end of the day. And I uh, was coming back in the door. I was dragging a trash can. And uh, all of a sudden I had two thoughts at the same time, which was pretty impressive because I was in my nothing box. <laughs> uh, first thought was Africa. Second thought was I should go. Um, so I... Just kind of sat on that for a while. <clears throat> Called my wife later that later that day, and she was incredibly supportive from the get go. And so it just kind of began for me, uh, just kind of putting together the pieces. Uh, had to get the shots and vaccinations and whatnot, and uh, some a few things just were, were falling into place without us even planning for it. Um, the financial uh, needs for a trip like this, um, we we discussed it, and we would be able to scrape. I'm a crier too. <clears throat> it used to be really tough, but uh, anyway, we'd be able to scrape it together. But uh, we started getting a few checks in the mail that were really weird. I mean, some things that we had kind of almost forgot about <clears throat> um, just became uh, just really set our, our uh, minds at ease that this was uh, the right thing to do. So, um, begin to study, pray, and kind of prepare for the trip and. Um, um, one thing that I that I read as we as we were flying into Lome that uh, kind of stuck with me, and I wrote it down, and just decided that would be something that I would need to read every day. Uh, it says, uh, "Only the exceptional blend of love, humility, hospitality, and persistence can overcome barriers." 
So it's kind of unusual. I mean, I think we had this a schedule built, this agenda built to get these things done, but also at the same time, <clears throat> um, we would be the ones, you know, that would need to show the love and humility and hospitality in a country that I'd never been. Um, but uh, it, it was really impressive to me that that would be uh, a very important part part of this trip. So um, anyway, so obviously I'm just going to give you a very personal uh, testimony of what this was for me and also give you an idea of just what Africa looked like, what it looks like. Um, so you got some pictures up there with number one. It says motorcycle probably, but... Uh, Motorcycles are everywhere, and they probably outnumber cars, I don't know, 10 to 1. Um, and you can see a kid there in the middle. Um, there's no particular arrangement. We saw everything, I think. Kids in the front, kids in the back, um, hanging off the side. But um, just motorcycles everywhere, and uh, there's really no lanes. <laughs> you can go anywhere. Uh, what's the next one? Yeah. You'll rarely see uh, one person in a car. I mean, if there's a car on the road, it's a car load, and they're taking all their stuff. And um, so this is not unusual. I mean, this is common. Um, it's, that is no doubt. There's probably 20 or 15 people in that van and uh, 1,000 pounds of cargo. Next one, please. And trucks littered uh, along the highways. Um, very ill-maintenanced, very overloaded. This is a, this particular truck was pretty impressive. It was loaded down with wire spools, and we think those are ropes that they used for uh, straps. And uh, there's no tow truck coming. That truck is going to be there until they hand offload that probably, and um, that's just going to be a fixture on the side of the road. Next one. Yes, that's something you don't see uh, in Harrisonville or Butler or wherever, um, and that's a light load. Uh, a lot of times they, they would be carrying something heavier than that. Um, pretty impressive how hardworking they are um, and busy. Next one, please. A load, uh, load of sand for the block for the church. Uh, these two guys, maybe there's three, they delivered two loads of sand before noon, hand-loaded it, and hand-unloaded it. Um, so, and not to mention it was probably 100 degrees. So, uh, next one, please. You don't see that here. Shepherd, uh, just letting the cattle graze, and eventually they would move right across uh, the first church site. Uh, kind of neat. He's got a water bottle, and few belongings there on his back. Next one. <clears throat> kids, kids everywhere, uh, lots of smiles. She was just standing uh, against the post, and when I got my picture out, she waved the peace sign. I call her peace girl. Next one. The well, Kevin spoke about that, but that was pretty fun, watching the kids uh, get their hands wet. Next one. Uh, I just call him little buddy. Um, yeah, they just so interested in uh, in uh, us. Look look different. The white white skin. Um, they just want to. You can hold twenty hands at once. They want to rub up against you, touch you, hold you, talk to you. Um, so they were very interested. Uh, it was very humbling. What's next? Okay, first. Uh, 
first church site, uh, that's where we thought uh, we were supposed to be. Um, but the four of us were staying at the four stakes, having, having a prayer there. And um, little do we know we'd be moving the next day. So next one, that's the second church property. As uh, only God could do it, bigger, better. And uh, what's next? Aruba, or uh, no, sorry, the prince, yeah. Prince helped us dig the stakes. A Muslim prince helped us dig the stakes for a Christian church. Wow, right? Uh, and uh, yeah, Aruba, we just can't say enough about him. Um, it's really, really a blessing to uh, be able to witness uh, him have that calling <clears throat> while we were around him to uh, take on such a calling with, with uh, little to no resources at the time. Uh, so um, this trip, you know, all these kind of a lot of wow moments for me, all this stuff fell into place, and it, it was like, why is this so amazing? Well, it was so amazing because I had my bar so low. Um, uh, the, the chief told us a story Whenever uh, Kevin mentioned about uh, <clears throat> having to switch the properties, he says, uh, he said, you, you can tell a man can dance by his first couple steps. You don't have to watch the whole dance to decide. And, and I think for him, he was saying that he had watched us for a few days. And uh, as we were working, as we were working on the well, um, he knew it wouldn't be a barrier we couldn't overcome. He, he had faith in us that... Yeah, you're going to have to move properties, but uh, it's going to be okay. And uh, he was right. And uh, for me, that was kind of a reminder of uh, how God can dance. Um, I don't have to watch the whole thing. But uh, I also heard somebody <clears throat> refer to their uh, faith and trust in God as 99%. <clears throat> but he says, what a difference the last 1% can make especially when your world falls apart. Um, for me, uh, God does this thing with me where he gives me uh, pictures. Um, I hear people say that God's holding this, told him that. Well, for me, he has a little fun and he gives me pictures. <clears throat> and uh, he's given me a several over the years and, uh, and they've uh, became pretty foundational for, uh, for my life, but um, one he gave me about a year and a half ago was Little Houses, and uh, it was mysterious to say the least, and uh, I sat on it for a long time and kept reoccurring, <clears throat> and finally I told my wife, I said, um, I think God wants us to sell our house and build a small house, and she said, how small? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I don't know, but uh so we did. We put our house in the market, <clears throat> and um, it was a, it was an odd time. It was we were really pushing. It seemed like no, um, it just created uh, some tension in the house. I mean, the kids didn't really support it. We really weren't sure, sure. It was a lot of work. It was just very frustrating. And nobody showed up. Nobody cared to come see our house. And uh, the day that we drove the stakes on the first tri uh, first church. We were kind of milling around, looking around, and uh, I was just taking a moment to reflecting on that, and then I realized I'm standing around small houses. 
<clears throat> I think there's one more. But uh, anyway, so I just want to encourage you uh, in the last couple of minutes I got, just uh, if God's calling you to do something, it's uh, well worth the effort. Um, keep, keep pushing, keep going. Um, what more beautiful thing is there than, than to follow our true God? Thank you. awesome. Kofi, where are you at? Kofi. Oh, there you are. Come on up here. Everybody give Kofi a round of applause, please. It is such a blessing to be able to go there and not to be groping around in the dark and wondering how on earth is all this going to happen when you have someone like Kofi with us who can not only translate, but he can be an encouragement. He's a leader in countless ways, but I just want to give him a couple minutes uh, just to to share and introduce himself. So here you go, Kofi. Thank you. Uh, Good morning, church. Uh, I don't speak American. I speak some English in a Francophone country, so I try my best to, you know, to use my skill to understand what Americans have to say to our folks and to serve them. I, I would like to share a testimony with you. About 12 years ago when I met for the first time, the team from Heart of Life Church, when Pastor Jeff came to my church to, to speak, and I got the chance to be his interpreter in the church, I didn't know that there's a long journey that would take me to this place today. I just have in mind that seeing Kevin Jennings off at the airport on Friday, and then on Tuesday, I got him to the States. And then on um, Thursday, I came to Missouri, and then he took me to a drama show of his younger daughter, Camille, and uh, bear with me that I was the only black, only African in the hall. So I said, this is a blessing for what God can do. When I see in the Bible that is said in the book of Revelation that people from all the tribes, all the languages, and all the nations one day shall gather around the throne and worship him forever and ever, I know that what the Bible is saying is true. So allow me for all world to thank Heart of Life Church for, I, I always say that the H of your church stands for humility, O for obedience, and uh, L for love. We have experienced the love that you have for us in our country, in our continent. And uh, I don't want to make any comparison before you guys to leave this. I understand what Roger was saying when I dropped them at Mission Tove from the airport to see this is where he's going to stay. I know he was prepared that he's like you are leaving heaven to come on earth, like Jesus to die for, for the folks. So, uh, for you to come and serve our people in our community uh, is a blessing, and uh, I'm here standing on behalf of the Togolese people and uh, my family as well to thank you, to thank the leadership of the church for all the sacrifices that you do for, for, for you over the year to send people to, to, to Togo to serve. I had a lot of friends here, and I was, I was telling Janet this morning that I, I came out like Jesus because when I got in, I didn't know, I didn't want people to know that I'm around and I came this morning to say thank you. You may have known it that uh, we started a ministry for the children and the youth in my country called CCY, and Heart of Life has supported. A lot of you guys have supported and given money, and I'm here to say I brought my report for 2018. Yeah, it has been so, uh, uh, the, the, the ministry just expanding. We have uh, uh, six clubs last year when I came, and now we have 12 clubs. And it is my prayer that in the years and in the time to come when volunteers and missionaries will be coming for your church, I have mostly the youth, men, and uh, uh, women to come and support what we're doing in, you know, 
We're using English classes, conferences to build the capacities of the youth, to challenge them, and to indirectly bring folks like the Muslim to Christ. And I, I promise you that when I travel back home, the first club I'm going to create will be in Kulumi, support Aruba in order to, you know, to make the work move forward. So thank you so much. I think I'm, I'm going to leave with the, the church the report I brought uh, in PDF format and also a video on what we have been able to do. So if I don't call you by name, thank you so much. Akbekaka for all you do for us. God bless you. Thanks, Kofi. You know, a few weeks ago, um, there was no church in the northern Togo area of Kalumi. No church. And yet God, through um, all sorts of different ways, now there is a church. And it's amazing to think the church of Jesus Christ was not able to shine its light in a place that now it shines its light. Um, it's amazing, you know, the first picture I want to show up I just kind of wonder how these things happen. How does it happen that our king of kings gives us favor with a king, with a chief of a tribe that doesn't know Jesus Christ? How does that happen? Uh, next slide. You know, how does it happen that within days of arriving, we are putting stakes in the ground to build a church that worships a God that they don't honor, that they don't obey? Next slide. How does it happen that within days of arriving again, we have Muslim people helping us clear the land? Next slide. How does it happen that as we're looking at how many chairs we should get, we think maybe 10, maybe 20. And then our first service, we have 35 people show up, including us. How does that happen? Uh, next slide that people gather together to hear the gospel. Next slide. You know, it's amazing to think that at one time there was nothing here that shined the light of Jesus Christ, and now there is something. They met this morning. I just got a text, actually, from Aruba, and he said that six people gave their life to Christ. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, we see something very, very similar to this in Romans chapter 10. The scripture will be up here. In Paul's desire for his people, the Israelites, it says, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. You know, we see this here. We see three points, and I'm going to go over them really quickly, is that something has to happen for us to see the things that we've seen in Togo. And first, just as it is in Romans 10, a desire has to be kindled for the salvation of others. It has to be kindled. And I just ask, is there a desire kindled in your heart to see others saved? In Togo, in Taiwan, across the street, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, is it kindled? If it's not, even right now, ask God to kindle it. Because we know in Matthew 28, it tells us, Jesus tells us, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them all I've commanded you. When something's kindled in us, we will go. We will make disciples, we will baptize, and we will teach. 
The second point we can see in Romans 10, and what we've seen with our work in Togo, is that prayers are prayed for the salvation of others. You know, something happens when, we're, when that, that kindling, when we're ignited for and have a desire to see other people saved, it leads to prayer. And we want to thank you, just like we heard from them, thank you for praying. Thank the kids for praying. Thank you for praying. Continue to pray that the people in Kalumi will receive Christ. Sixth did today. Where there was a church, now there's a church. Where there was not life in six people, today there is life in six people. That comes through prayer, doesn't it? 1 John 5.14 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask. Pray diligently. Don't let this leave your head and heart. As you go about in all the different things you're doing this week and even today, continue to pray. Leads to the third point. The third point, and it's further down, and we see it in Paul as he's speaking to the Romans in verse 14. But people are sent to preach the gospel in words and deeds. We saw the deeds. A well that didn't work for years now works. In Romans 10, 14, it says this. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You know, to accomplish the Great Commission, something has to happen. People have to go. People have to go. They have to preach the gospel, not only in their words, but also in their deeds. There also have to be people that are willing to go, but also willing to maybe gather resources, gather items that could be given to a school or help start a certain ministry. And there's also those that simply just give. Some people do all three, and some people just do one. What is your part in this ministry? The ministry of Heart of Life Church, not only in Togo, but across the world, across this neighborhood, across Garden City, Harrisonville, Adrian, Lee Summit, Kansas City metro area. What is your part? Because it is our desire that we would leverage everything in our lives for the sake of the gospel. Acts 20.24 says this, However, I consider my life worth nothing. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. This should be our heart. And you might, so many people are searching. It's like, what do I have to do in life? What's my purpose in life? It's right here. It is the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. That's what has happened. That's what God invited us as Heart of Life Church in in Togo and in many areas in this area. He's given us an invitation and we said yes and we got to see it with our own eyes and now we share it with you. And I just want to continue to encourage you, keep walking this out. If you haven't jumped in, then jump in. If you haven't been praying, pray. If you haven't been given, give. It is an adventure of a lifetime and this is what we're called to as the people of God. Real quickly, just a couple more minutes, I just want to share another opportunity. 
You're going to hear at the end of the service, you're going to hear about a number of opportunities of where to serve uh, with Project Nick, all these amazing things going on. I know some of you give to all these different things, and some of you give to a few, and some of you haven't given at all. I just want to encourage you, just listen to God and have him tell you what he wants you to do. Because there's another great opportunity. I have one, la- one last picture, and uh, this is an opportunity that uh, my family has been blessed to be part of. About 20-some years ago, my wife and I uh, took on our first kid that we supported so they could go to school, so they could have clothes, so they could have education materials, so they could have a meal a day, and they could hear about Jesus Christ. And over the years, we've been able to help a lot of children and it's been a huge blessing to us and I had the privilege to actually meet one of the kids in Mission Tove. Uh, This is myself of course. The taller kid is Dodo. Yes that's his name Dodo and uh, Dodo we have been supporting for about four years through Compassion International which is connected to uh, a church in Mission Tove where many of our teams have stayed with Pastor Daniel. Uh, His little brother's there and his mom in the background. Now, his mom is full of smiles there. That's the only smile we saw. Because the mom was still dealing with a great loss in her life about two years ago when her husband, Dodo's dad, left the house and never came back. At first, we thought he just left, but what happened, it looks like he died. But there's no body, there's no story, there's no communication, nothing. So grief is still part of their lives as they've lost their father, the husband, and yet we get to partner with them in order to help them. And it was interesting, as I'm talking to Pastor Daniel, the government has changed some things because they, they basically support, they coordinate and partner with Compassion International to have over 600 kids in school hearing about Jesus, clothes, meals, all these different things, over 600 kids. Many of you support kids in that area. What's happened is the government says you can't do it in the same way you've been doing it. You need a latrine system. You need a certain structure. And so basically what needs to happen is that Pastor Daniel's gone to some builders and different things like that. And a couple pictures they've shown us. He's got uh, some plans in this book here. Go to the next one. Uh, Basically two floors right next to the church, the existing church. And they are going to uh, be building a structure that's going to have a latrine system that's all government approved so they can continue at this location blessing 300 and some kids. For as little as $10,000 to get the whole first floor done, it looks like, this will be done. And so I just want to encourage you to consider. Consider giving to this among many other things. Consider it before the Lord. Consider it before the Lord. You can go to the next picture. Um, just a number of things that they've went through. The next one, um, the church doesn't. The church is a, structured that way. To the right there is what you see they want to build, and that would be the place where the kids are educated, where they would use it for other church services. The money would go good use for the kingdom of God because they'd be using it. I think probably seven days a week. And, uh, and then it would be government approved and they would continue to be able to do this ministry they do with Compassion International. So as you hear today, I just want to, you to use that guest member response that most of us rarely use 
And I want you to respond. We want to hear from you when you put that in the back. We want to hear is like, I'm going to be praying for Togo. I want to hear more about Togo. Or I want to hear more about the Uplift ministry. Maybe during this whole time, God's been speaking to you about something else. Put that on there. And we want to encourage you in that, help you walk that out in your life. Um, or I want to give to this project. Or I want to hear more about Project Nick. Or I want to serve in the children's ministry. We want to hear from you in that guest member response. For others, it may be simply you're writing a check. You're writing a check for this or for something else. Because um, we know, just as Kevin said, it takes resources, doesn't it? It takes resources. And when we lay down our lives for the sake of a gospel, we lay it all down, don't we? It's all God's. We're stewards of it. And I just want to encourage you to listen to him. Let me pray. And then uh, Pastor Charles is going to wrap us up here. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that when we obey your word, amazing things happen. We praise you and glorify you that six people came to know you today. We ask that you would just put them in a place where they would be discipled, that they would be loved, that they would be cared for, that they would be nurtured, and they would grow up to be mature in your eyes, and that they would be men and women that are zealous to follow after you. As we continue to walk this out as heart of life, may you stir in us that we might be stirred to more and more good works, knowing that you've created us for such as these. Lord, I thank you for the people of Heart of Life, that they've partnered with us in this way, and that you've opened these doors. It is good to walk through them and see all that you can do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Blessed be your name. Amen.